Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special Independence Day episode of Truth is Stranger Than Fiction. I am your humble truth-seeking host, Ralph DeLugas, and this is Truth is Stranger Than Fiction. Um, we have so much to discuss, my friends. Uh, I was listening this morning. I had a rather unpleasant morning. Uh, I discovered, as many of you have probably in times past, I discovered in my utility room, black water coming up and flooding my home. Never a very pleasant thing. Um, been a really crazy, hectic morning. So to kind of calm down and soothe myself, which wasn't very successful, I listened to a little Christian music. I uh, don't remember which one. I think this one was, that doesn't matter which one, but they had this wonderful little question. They were asking their listeners this morning, what does Independence Day mean to me, a Christian? Now, I don't know how it is where you live, but where I live, we have a lot of, I don't know, how do I say it, Brian, mealy-mouthed people that, <coughs> for excuse me, <coughs> for instance, um, in my church, I'm, I'm, a I'm a member of the LDS church. We have on the first Sunday of every month, I guess you could call it open open mic um, testimony meeting. Some of you that have ever been to a Mormon church have probably seen this in the past. And I can't remember one that's fallen actually on Independence Day for a while. But I always kind of lament the ones that fall on or around Independence Day because without exception, I'm going to probably hear four or five people stand up and say, I'm so grateful to live in a free country. And honestly, my friends, I mean, I try to not be political, but here we are, right? Um, I, I was hearing uh, the other day Tucker Carlson go on and on about the NSA. As you well know, we, we are not free. We are monitored every word, every wit, everywhere we go. You have friends and I have friends that have been imprisoned for nothing more than def defending their own rights. You have friends, as do I, that have been slain for such things. I was reading the independent uh, Declaration of Independence last night again. It's something I like to do with my boys around this time of year. And, you know, it's hard to find a grievance that they had then that we don't have on steroids today. So while um, I guess what I want to do is answer this question in my own way, because I'm not a person that calls into places and we all know we hear my voice too much as it is. But what does it mean to me, a Christian Independence Day? What does it mean to you? Um, to me, well, I'd like to say that I'm someone that has taken upon myself the name of Christ. And many of you have whatever religion you could maybe say the name of God. Um, but to me, the name of Christ is the name of truth um, and truth always matters. Um, and the truth of this is that I, even though I don't really have any special authority to speak for the master and I wouldn't do so, but I will in this one instance, because I know for a fact that Jesus Christ has not softened one bit on his hard stance for liberty, for freedom and free agency. Um, so to me, as a Christian, this is an extra special day. And um, why I'm not grateful to be living in a free country, I am grateful to be living in America. And that I have the tools in front of me, namely the Declaration of Independence and great examples of forefathers, our founding fathers and others that have set the example and the um, showed us the path. So I am very grateful for truth and I am very grateful for uh, for uh, 
the founding fathers and the Declaration of Independence, and above all, grateful for Jesus Christ. I hate to go there. I'm not, I hate to go there, but I don't mean to get all emotional right out of the beginning. But I was, I was listening to that, and it really kind of touched me. It's it's kind of a sore spot with me when I hear such things. Um, I kind of feel like, so as I'm sure many of you do, that we've been a little, uh, not a little, a lot too complacent as a nation and as a people. And I am super grateful that there are still people like you um, that care about liberty. And I'm not grateful for how dirty my glasses are. This is going to be fun. Anyway, let's get on to, I want to talk about some things that I've seen this past week, really the past couple weeks. Um Oh gosh, there were there's there are some science articles out there that just oh let's see it's going to take me a second to call it up. Um, this one is very very interesting. This is from probably the most important astrophysical journal, the most probably important physics journal on Earth, the most esteemed, most prestigious, called the Astrophysical Journal. Uh, I'll just give you the the headline on this one: the strength and structure of the magnetic field in the galactic outflow of Messier 82 and its surprising surprising lesson, lessons for science today. Um, this article is really wordy, a lot of big words, but the gist of it is, let me read you one sentence out of it and why it's so important. We conclude that the fields are frozen into ionized outflowing medium and driven away kinetically. Kinetically, that is physically. The magnetic field lines in the galactic wind of M82, and M82, that's, that's the cigar galaxy, if any of you are big into space and cosmology. It's a nearby galaxy. And they observed uh, magnetic fields and their interactions upon all the physical matter in the galaxy. The magnetic field lines in the galactic wind of M82 are open, providing a direct channel between the starburst core and the IGM. Our novel approach offers the tools needed to quantify the effects of outflows on galactic magnetic fields, as well as their influence on evolution of energetic particles. Now, that was a lot, and probably, heck, I, I didn't understand that either. But the gist of it is, is just because I kind of like to study these sorts of things, is they are admitting that we don't live in a gravity-driven universe. We don't, my friends. We live in God's universe. We live in an electric energetic universe. Now, when you uh, conflict that or hold that up against this article from NASA, let me find it here. I'm struggling with a, a really small iPhone. I broke my iPad a while back. Oh, darn it. I'm not going to be able to find it. Anyway, NASA is now claiming that we have, darn it, where is it? This is actually quite important. Um, I'm not going to be able to find it. A recently uh, published article by NASA that um, our upper, uh, oh, here it is, great. Um, the upper uh, NASA satellites see upper atmosphere cooling and contracting due to climate change. Now, this is more than just a lie. This is a deliberate lie. This is disgusting. This is the kind of stuff that makes me hopping mad. Uh, I'll read you the first sentence of this disgusting horrible piece of propaganda. The sky isn't falling, but scientists have found that parts of the upper atmosphere are gradually, gradually contracting in response to rising human-made greenhouse emissions. 
They know this is a lie. This is absolutely made up garbage. These guys should be ashamed of themselves. I would be embarrassed to even call myself a scientist. I'm sorry. This, this makes me super mad. And you guys know why they're doing this. I assure you that you're driving a car is not changing our atmosphere. What is changing our atmosphere is what the previous article said. The energy in our solar system, the energy from our sun is having a huge effect on our atmosphere. And honestly, I get kind of excited by this stuff because it's as much biblical as anything else. So we'll talk about this more from the truth, uh, biblical, and what it means to you and your family perspective after this short break. back everybody after that very short and tolerable break um uh we are talking briefly about um the the magnetic crustal shift and the the things that are happening in our world i want to mention really quick uh we lost a great one a couple weeks ago a man named robert dr robert felix he is a pioneer in this field um he has as much to do as this stuff coming to light really as anybody for some reason, you know, and, and this is just, I don't know, this kind of stuff really blows me away. There are so many people out there that get, you know, th this particular gentleman, uh, Dr. Felix, absolutely knew about the CIA cover-up of the Adam and Eve story. He, he was the guy that broke the story, or one of them. Um, he knows about the tunnels, the cities underground, the coming uh, Micronova, all of that. But for some reason, when it comes to the vaccine, he and his wife, who is, I guess, a, a, a medical doctor, felt like it was the thing to do to take it. And unfortunately, he's dead today, died of blood clot or dead a couple of weeks ago. Uh, blood clots, kind of a sad story. We have no reason to believe this was related in any way to the vaccine. Anyway, um, there's many. I got a bunch of stories in front of me. This one is from March 1967. Um CIA recruiting at Columbia, uh, the most successful of all the Ivies. And this article, you know, I, I hate to read articles on air because it just it kind of feels boring. But this article talks about the best and the brightest that are being harvested by the CIA. And this goes on. As a side note, if you have a really smart kid and they're in government school, get them out. But if you don't get them out and you can't get them out, be very leery of these uh, government programs for the really bright kids because they want to guide you. They, I, I know people uh, that were in these kind of programs and at the end of these programs, you get free ride scholarships through, you know, Columbia or Harvard. And that all sounds good and fine. Be very, very careful, careful that the kingdom of Satan does not suck up your kid and employ them in their, uh, in their tasks, so to speak. Okay. Anyway, so uh, CIA research at Columbia U, uh, this is all has, has been redacted and, and hidden for 40 years. It's all out in the open now. It's 
not super easy to find, CIA-funded programs at Columbia. Uh, these were the centering machines in the early, honestly, the early 60s, late 50s. They had these. I have a friend, Dr. August Dunning, um, that worked on one of these teams. Today, I hear they can burn a 60-foot tunnel at some, uh, depending on how hard the bedrock and what kind of a material they're going through, <clears throat> at between two and seven miles per hour. Um, that's incredible. And by the way, there's no... You know, there's no rubble coming out the backside. This material essentially is, think of 3D printing. Well, it's the opposite of that process, okay? Um, we're deconstructing matter or disassociating it. And so they've been doing this for a very long time, and this is the deep state, the cabal, the banking cartels, the CIA, whatever you want to call them. Um, they have their bunker prepared. Gratefully, though, Isaiah has made it pretty clear what happens to them when they go into the holes and in the rocks with their gold and silver. I can't think of anywhere I'd rather be less than with the elites in their creepy underground bunker. But anyway, um, this article that came out this last week, along with others, um, and here's kind of the sad thing. I, I wish up until 2010, NASA would um, update, I believe it was daily or maybe it was weekly, the field loss, as would uh, the e ESA with their uh, swarm network. Their swarm satellite network. But ever since 2010, and this was during the Obama shutdowns, when remember when you, we have this budgetary problem where he was closing all the national parks and we just didn't have the money to, uh, to keep these programs going. Well, supposedly this was why they, sh they stopped reporting to you and me how far our, uh, you know, what else should NASA be doing than reporting to us the condition of the magnetic shield that protects our Earth from outer space. Like, what single thing should they be doing that's more important than this? You know, they squander away billions, hundreds of billions of dollars on absolute drivel, like that garbage article I just shared with you. But they don't have the money to report to us the current field strength. And they haven't for some 11 years now. They stopped in that shutdown during the Obama years. They've never reported it since. At that time, we were down 10%. Estimates are it keeps speeding up exponentially as we get into the higher portions of this uh, energy sheet that our solar system is flying into. Dust is building up rapidly on our sun. Have you noticed our sun looks a different color? It looks a little more white. It doesn't look as yellow as it used to look. Um, we can observe these changes if we uh, know what we're looking for. Uh, it's not setting in the place that it used to set for the longest time. Our Earth is beginning to tilt our crust will break free. Um, another article I really, I, I like looking for these sorts of things because I'm kind of a nerd. But um, there is an article that I found where these scientists, my, my favorite phrase, I like to just Google, um, surprised and intrigued. Scientists are always surpri surprised and intrigued. We squandered your money away on nothing, basically pissed away your billions of stolen tax dollars and wasted it, squandered it away on poppycock. And the net result is we're surprised and intrigued. We're not sorry. We're not going to stop doing it. Anyway, this article is from, I think this is from Nature. Research team uh, discovers Arctic dinosaur nursery. Uh, images of dinosaur Images of dinosaurs being cold-blooded creatures needing tropical temperatures could be a relic of the past. Um, 
University of Alaska, Fairbanks, and Florida State University scientists have found that nearly all types of Arctic dinosaurs, from small birds to giant Tyrannosaurus rexes, reproduced in the region and likely remain there year-round. So rather than admit that the, that the crust shifts, which is a fact, because there's not only dinosaur eggs up there, there's entire rainforests up there under the ice, my friends. Um, and they know that. I don't know if this particular team of scientists know that. You kind of have two sciences out there. You have the, you know, the general rank and file, smart PhD holding scientists that are out there pretending like they're discovering stuff. And then you got the DARPA type deep states that know what all the real truth is, you know, anti-grav and this, this association of matter and all these sorts of things. Um, but they don't talk to each other, of course. And so they teach us this dribble that maybe dinosaurs are uh, not cold-blooded reptiles, even though it's obvious that they are. So how do we explain this? Well, the Arctic, uh, the uh, Antarctica and the North Pole used to be at the equator. And uh, if, if everything uh, plays out the way it sure looks like it's going to, they will be at the equator again. And... Um, the good news is if you live anywhere near the Bermuda Triangle or the South Sea Anomaly in the Bay of Bengal on the other side of the world, which, by the way, is where the poles are going to meet, one will stay there. The other pole will pop out on the other side of the earth. We're going to have some rocking and rolling, and there will be some uh, some areas that are you know safer than others to be in, but it's going to be one heck of a wild ride. It's happened before. It's going to happen again, and honestly, it matches perfectly with Scripture, which is what I like about all this. Because to me, I don't have a, a better source for any true science than good old Isaiah and the Bible and the prophets of old. And basically, honestly, those that have seen this before, such as Noah and Enoch and such, right? So anyway, um, I'll kind of leave that for now. I want to skip the rest of these and talk a little bit about um, now UFOs. We'll do that in the next segment. Let's talk a little bit about CERN. Um, does everybody know what CERN is, Brian? Do you think it's pretty safe to... Everybody has a pretty good idea of what it is. Most people know what CERN is. That's the super collider, the largest scientific experiment ever, um, ever built in, in at least this era of man. Um, what they claim they're doing there is uh, speeding up particles. And essentially, they were trying to prove the existence of dark matter and some other. They've always been quite nebulous as to exactly what CERN does. It's been in operation for a long time. Dark matter is obviously made up dribble, but it goes on, and it is quite an incredible machine. Let's talk a little bit after the break about exactly what it is and what it is built to really do after this short break. Welcome back. Um, I want to talk briefly about CERN. Um, I, you know, I, I, maybe we'll call this part one. I, I've started to do a little bit of research. I've always been a little bit interested in it just because energy is fascinating to me. Um, the kinds of energy that they use at CERN doesn't in any way, shape, or form match what they say it is. 
um, a particle accelerator, no matter how big and glamorous, wouldn't require they can only run this sucker like on weekends at night or at very low power grid requirement times because they're sucking the majority of the power out of many European countries to fire this bad boy up. Um, there's several accounts online and it's hard to know what's truth and what's not truth. Um, so I, I won't talk about any of the reports of uh, times that they've gone over power and, and people have, have, have vanished and portals being opened or whatever. Um, I do believe in all such things, to be honest with you. There is no question that time can be manipulated, that all, all matter is energy. So if you can control that energy, um, you can control matter. So portholes and such things, honestly, I mean, look at it this way. If, you, if you're a Christian or whatever faith you are, um, you know God can do these things. Is it just because he's a magician? He has this amazing staff or something no he has he is a a higher evolution being you know he is our father that has evolved to the place his faith his mind his perfect body and mind is able to control such things he doesn't have to get in a spaceship and travel for five light years to come to earth he just comes right um so such things aren't you know outside of the realm of possibility, of course. So anyway, at CERN, I, I'm just going to draw today from the words of Jessie Saborda, who I, I really like her. She's a, at Illuminate the Darkness. She was uh, a member of the uh, Mothers of Darkness for a time, or at least in training to become one of those. So she uh, was trained by, I believe it was Podesta, um, and uh, Michael Karkok, if you know who that is. He's a Nazi um, that was brought here who also trained Podesta and others. Um, and it's pretty common knowledge, I guess, among these Luciferians of what CERN really is. And, you know, I, when I heard her explain this, it kind of made perfect sense to me because I don't know if you guys have ever wondered this, but I've wondered why. Why would we, we know that, that Satan, Lucifer, rebelled against Father in Christ and people followed him? Have you ever wondered why he would do that? Like, it seems like kind of a stupid thing to do, right? You're not going to defeat father, right? Or you're not going to, you're not going to steal his throne. Why would you follow a guy that's in open re rebellion to such a thing? Unless he had a, a reason to believe that he could pull it off, right? Um, or at least the people that follow him, if it was a fool, it kind of got me wondering, honestly, and this is kind of a side note, but I've wondered if there have been other eternal uh, rounds where good doesn't prevail. I mean, if it's, if evil has never prevailed longer term, why would anyone ever choose to become a Satan? I don't know. But what I do know is according to Jesse Saborda, these people really do believe that they can open up the gates of heaven. Satan still wants that throne. He wants to seat himself on Father's throne. And they allegedly have a plan to do it, according to Jesse Saborda. And I'm not going to tell you I think this is true. I don't. Th I think it's false. To me, it's funner than talking about creepo Joe Biden and his disgusting pedophile antics and his family's antics, right? To me, this stuff's more interesting. Um, so what their plan is, is to, um, and this is uh, according to her, and she has some emails back and forth. She calls Podesta. I guess she has a relationship with him. Not, not like that kind of relationship. Just knows him from 
from the past. And so her name for him is Boo. I had saved some of the emails, but I won't be able to read them on my phone. So I'll just summarize. But uh, supposedly Alice, which is the controlling computer program at CERN, um, has had a hard time with getting the specifics right. They're, get, they're opening all sorts of gates at the wrong time. Um, the fact of the matter is this is a giant coil um, that is basically, um, it, it's hard to explain it, and I haven't been to CERN. I can only look at, you know, I, I know what they say it is. Um, I don't believe that because even, even the pictures that you can look at where you see the, all the scientists posing in front of it, you look at what that machinery is, what all of the constructions, all the massive permanent magnets, the ma it is a huge coil, a huge resonant coil inside of a coil inside of a coil. Um, the geometry of which is sacred. It is phi in nature. And um, they are clearly trying to, there's crystals involved. There's massive amounts of billions of gigawatts of power involved. Um, so essentially what this thing is trying to do, and, and you all have probably seen that, like the creepy statues and the, the Luciferian touches that are all over that disgusting place. Um, the banking car cartels have been the financers of this. It's, it's hard to know exactly where all the money came from. This thing is, I think this thing's trillions of dollars to be real honest. But um, so anyway, they're trying to open the gates, the gates of heaven so that, and we know we're at a war, right? So I guess this really, none of this should be that surprising. And I, I tend to believe these, these sorts of things, but I guess through a host or through hosts, they plan to enter into heaven or enter into the light sides realm and take the war to him, right? Um, kind of an interesting story. We're going to run out of time. I don't want to dwell on this a, a too much because I don't have a lot of hard facts put together. My uh, week's been kind of crazy, but I'll report on this further next week. I think this is a pretty interesting, cool story. Um, briefly, I want to talk about how much time we got left in this segment, right? Three minutes. Um, I was driving to work, I think it was yesterday or day before yesterday, and in my truck, I can only get FM because something's wrong with my antenna. So um, I don't often listen to Glenn Beck, but that's kind of the best thing that I can listen to in the morning on my way to work because all the good, all the good talk shows are on AM in my town. And I don't love having my headset on. I have that on all day and I don't like my phone. So I was listening to Glenn Beck the other day because I was just flipping radio on and he had on a uh, it was a high ranking Navy person. I believe he was the like the third in command on the Nimitz. I might have that wrong, but it was it was a very high ranking Navy naval officer who was uh, giving uh, Glenn his eyewitness account of various uh, UFO encounters and so forth. And I, I won't talk about those specifically. You can look. There's lots of places you can look to get that. But to me, what is interesting is why. Why are they bringing this? Why is this high-ranking naval officer on Glenn Beck's show, a man that has a huge audience, um, openly talking about UFOs like they're real, right? Like this was all always cuckoo bird stuff. It was always like the meth addicts, right, in trailer parks somewhere with, with a couple of teeth or ass all out, lied over, you know. But now we're having naval officers, men of great reputation and renown, essentially the government coming out and saying, yes, UFOs are real. Um, yes, we've been dealing with them for a very long time. And I can't help but wonder why. Why is it? 
so to me, whenever anyone asks me about UFOs, I say, of course, they're real. They've been real for a very long time. The technology, honestly, isn't that far fetched. It isn't it isn't something that there are men like uh, T. Thompson Brown, for instance, in the 50s that had no affiliation. He wasn't a, a Nazi that got the that got the technology from the Vril Society or from reptilians. He's just a researcher like me or like you that tinkered and was able to create anti-gravity with counter-rotating magnetic fields, which is kind of how it's done today. I've done little experiments and, and observed some very, very strange phenomenon. I don't have the money and the dollars to, to um, and the time to do extensive research in this, but even the couple little things that I've done, it's very obvious that such things aren't at all beyond the realm of possibility. In the 1890s, there was a man named J.J. Thompson that proved mathematically and then physically that inertia can be canceled out. Um, inertia being the force that would make you spill your big gulp cup when you slam on your brakes. He sped up a wine glass of 30 miles an hour in his track in his lab and then uh, canceled out inertia and then stopped it immediately and didn't spill a drop of wine. Um, that sounds fantastic, but it was done in the, in the late 1890s. So anyway, these things are not magic. Uh, my belief is that they're planning a big false flag of some kind, maybe some Hail Mary pass to try and keep power. When I look at it, I look, look at it and think, well, okay, all the governments of this world have institutionalized corruption. I don't trust any of them. Um, all of, if, if they're a, a great ruling body in this fallen world, they're corrupt. So, and especially like the Biden administration, are you kidding me? What are they growing a conscience? Well, it's, we should probably tell the citizens the truth, right? Yeah, don't believe that for a second. They're planning something and it always revolves around the same two things. We will talk about that and wrap things up after this short break. Welcome back. I uh, didn't realize this is our final segment. So I'm going to wrap things up on the UFO thing and uh, kind of try to end on a positive note. But um, you're going to hear a lot more of this, in my opinion. I, I don't have any more. I'm not like an insider. I don't have any super secret clearances or anything else. I'm just the guy that watches um, and kind of a scientific sort of a, I'm an engineer that's just always kind of gravitated to these sorts of things. So UFOs is have always been kind of anomalous. I used to honestly have the opinion that, that they are all our government and that there's no such thing as little green men from outer space or reptilians or any of that. Honestly, reading the book of Enoch and kind of studying old writings and stuff, uh, old Sumerian tablets and, and whatnot, the giants, this has all kind of changed my opinion on that. I think we have good uh, aliens. I think we have bad aliens. I wouldn't be at all surprised if the returning lost tribes of Israel are coming back in uh, some super sleek spacecraft. So I think we've got a heck of a show coming. I think the, the key is, I think really two keys. A, and most importantly, do not be afraid. 
and B, don't trust the government. Whatever they want to do, you're probably better off to do the opposite. Um, so anyway, I want to talk uh, to end our show. I so let me call some notes up here. You know, I, I like to talk a lot about truth, and um, and I don't pretend to be any conveyor of truth. I can tell you, I'll never deliberately lie to you. Um, I can certainly be fooled. I think we're all fools. We're living in a world where deception is taught universally by all, almost all authorities, right? Religions, even um, governments, most especially. So in a world where deception is universally taught, truth is a, a very precious thing. And you, you really have to pay a high price to find it. Um, and, you know, even though it is sometimes difficult to close the gap, between, you know, between our maybe our beliefs and our actions, I, I think the biggest challenge is closing the gap between our beliefs and the truth. And I think that is the big challenge that we have. And we do have some excellent tools that we can do this with. Um, thankfully, because you guys are not uh, sons of daughters of monkeys or amoebas, you are sons and daughters of the mother and father of heaven. Um, you've got some powerful alloys in the Holy Spirit, uh, Jesus Christ. And this is where all truth should be coming for from for us. I, I heard on a, one of my favorite places to look uh, for kind of updates on what's going on with, you know, the pole shift. We, we do have at the end of this. And honestly, my, my little humble opinion is I, I, you guys know I love the Old Testament. I love scriptures. I think we, we miss so much there. But in the Daniel Code, there is a little phrase called at the appointed time. And you see this a lot in throughout scriptures. Um, all things happen at the appointed time, suggesting there are appointed times for all things. And generally, not generally, always, whether it's the day that Joshua brought the, brought the walls down of Jericho, whether it's the day that Moses parted the Red Sea, other things, these happened on uh, Jewish feast holidays. And I don't think those are even correctly the right term for it. That's just the most recent representation we have of these moed or moedim or appointed times. Um, like in Malachi 4, we read, I don't have it in front of me, but that the, you guys have heard it, hopefully, that the sun will, will earth and that sun, interestingly enough, it's S-U-N. And a lot of uh, biblical scholars think that was just like incorrect or whatever that they meant s-o-n but i think it is s-u-n and as i look around i think it becomes increasingly obvious that whoever uh, that old malachi knew exactly what he was talking about and as i recall some other people quoted uh, malachi as well particularly one uh, one moroni about 200 years ago but anyway so one of the places i like to look for this um kind of updates on what's going on is a place called suspicious observers and uh, Ben Davidson over there, I've met a few times, and he's kind of become a, a sort of a friend of mine. And and he put out a video the other day that really struck me. And I, I don't remember exactly what he said, but this is a man who um who that I know was a um an atheist in the beginning of his oh about ten twelve years ago when he started his little website and his little movement, if you will, of suspicious observers. It's kind of an interesting group of people. I've attended their conferences and. It's mostly kind of engineers or nerds or tinkers. 
um, there are some PhDs in there and some uh, professors and teachers of, you know, various, um, you know, degrees and whatnot. But um, it's a it's pretty interesting to see his um, transformation and to what he says and talks about today. Um, and he talks about in his latest video how many of us were born for this time and how he kind of doesn't really have a stomach. I, I don't know about how it is in your little neck of the woods, but I have people around me because I guess I'm kind of a prepper and a, and a watcher, if you will. And I have a lot of people around me. Some of them are even in like leadership positions in my church that say things like, oh, I hope when things get bad, I hope when the tribulations get, I hope I hope I die early. I hope the Lord takes me out early. I, I don't want to have to live through that. And I just want to shake them. I just want to go, are you serious? Quitter? Why don't you just leave now? You might as well. You're not going to be any good to us or your family or yourself. I don't know. I, I don't have a... I'm excited. You know, we look at these things that are coming, coming to, to pass. And yeah, the Republic has essentially fallen. We have these secret combinations and secret societies that are running all the governments of this world. And it, it does look kind of bleak, but we've got a sure hope, my friends. We've got a sure hope that the sun's going to fix things and it isn't going to be too far away. Um, according to uh, the Moed or the Moedim in Daniel, uh, I would keep a really good eyeball on December of 2034. I would I would mark that day, December 7th, 2034. Don't plan anything really big on that day. Just kind of keep it open. Um, I think it's going to be a real, real important day. And we have other days um, more close to home uh, on this Daniel list of Moed or Moedim. You know, it's kind of interesting. There are little hints in there and clues we don't know what's going to happen on what day. There are a few uh, references to uh, ho holy houses being dedicated. To me, that could very well mean the, the long prophesied third temple in Jerusalem, or maybe even one in the New Jerusalem. Um, I believe that's somewhere either 2024 or 2027 on either Passover or Feast of Trumpets. I don't have that in front of me, but we've got some exciting things coming. We're going to probably see UFOs in mass. We're going to see all of the times coming that um, everybody has wanted to see for four, four or 5,000 years. And I think we should be freaking excited. If this guy at Suspicious Observers is getting excited, wants to get his helmet on and get in the game, um, those of us that are Christians, those, those of us that are preppers, those of us that are patriots that have been kind of in this circle for some time, we should be excited. We shouldn't be wringing our hands. So anyway, um, I've kind of gotten off topic here, but I think it's really important to um, make sure that we're working on closing the gap between our beliefs and the truth. And I'm pretty sure that we all have beliefs that are false in certain ways. Right. And I think it's important to keep an open mind and not keep your, keep your head closed to truth. Um, because no matter how things shake out here in the next decade or two, I'll bet you we're all going to be surprised. I bet we're all going to be, dang, I didn't see that coming. Um, so keep your eyes open, uh, keep your, um, keep your channel open to the source of all truth, which would be, of course, prayer and the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit, the God of heaven, the Messiah, the Jehovah, whether it's um, 
you know, Jehovah to you or, or Allah or whatever, I'm pretty sure the loving father up there of us all isn't so much concerned about what you call him or what you, what, what, what the building looks like that you go into. I'll bet you he's much more concerned about 